What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one it's transfer tips for game week 11. So I'm going to go through some of the popular players being moved in and out of our squads and give you my opinion on whether it's a good move or not. If you enjoyed the video make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already and make sure to check out Fancy Football Hub. They've got a seven day free trial at the moment and 30% off. Links in the description below. All right, let's start off with Erling Haaland. Now, here's a fun fact for you. This guy is pretty good at scoring goals. He's got 11 already in the league this season, plus two assists, so 13 attacking returns in the first 10 game weeks. And I'm no FPL expert, but I've got a feeling this isn't a blip. I think he might continue doing pretty well over the next few game weeks. So we'll get the easy stuff out of the way, first of all. If you own him, it's Bournemouth at home this week. There is almost no reason whatsoever to be selling him. And as I said last week, the closer you get to game weeks 15, which is Villa away, or even game week 16, which is Luton away, the less viable it is to sell him because you are going to want him back. So if you've still got him in your squad at this point, you're probably just keeping hold of him. What about people that have gone without him and are now panicking because he's done well against Man United and he's got Bournemouth at home this week should they reverse that I would say first of all you had a plan right and in most cases it's usually better to stick with that plan than to suddenly panic you knew that he was good at points right FPL points you knew he had Bournemouth at home coming up so I would ask yourself what has changed because afterwards he's still got Chelsea away Liverpool at home and Spurs at home can he get goals in those games absolutely but presumably you've spent that money in a way where your overall squad is still going to do better without him than with him. There's plenty of people last week that didn't have Haaland that still beat my score, even though I had him in my team. So I wouldn't panic just yet. I will say there are certain things that have maybe changed. So I was chatting about this on Twitter yesterday, and someone said to me the thing that's changed for their team is they spread that money around from Haaland. They went for Trent, but all of a sudden, Simicast is now an option, and he's, what, like 3 million less? And that might be all the money you need to then go and get Haaland back in. So that's fair enough. I don't think that Trent is going to get enough attacking returns to warrant not having Haaland, essentially. If that's the only issue, you drop Trent to get Haaland. I think fair enough, you get Haaland back. But for everyone else, I think you can probably just stick to the plan, right? Salah's got Luton away this week. Presumably, that's going to be your captain without Haaland. I just don't think you need major surgery to get him back in. If you can do it for free, happy days. If you could do it for a minus four and then that's just going to have you settled for the next few weeks, you're just going to hold him, then maybe that's fair enough as well. But when you're starting to talk minus eights, minus twelves, then I would question whether or not that is worth it. And usually when I'm talking about players, whether they're good to take out, good to bring in, I'm always looking at fixtures, uh, kind of overall FPL landscape, like if I go for this player, who does that mean I'm going to miss out on? But also I talk a lot about what kind of FPL manager are you? And I said this about selling Haaland, you have to be prepared that he's going to score points and that you're not going to have him. And if you're going to panic the first time that happens, you probably should have never sold him in the first place, right? It's similar to Darwin Nunez. I think he's genuinely a pretty good option. Do I think he's better than Watkins? Probably not. But if you're the type of FPL manager that as soon as he gets benched, you panic, then you should just not buy Darwin Nunez in the first place. So I would consider this a lesson, right? Think about who you're selling and how and whether you can really just get through weeks like Man United where he gets two goals and one assist. But if the plan was always to bring him back, you've got an easy route to do it. Of course, I think Haaland is a great option. And I don't think anyone that's got him now is thinking about selling him anytime soon. 
So I feel like Trippier is basically the opposite of Haaland this week. Haaland's just done really well. Now people are thinking about bringing him back. Trippier's just blanked. And now some people are thinking about getting rid of him. Even though a game week or two ago, he was almost considered as essential. Now, when you make as many FPL videos as I do, you almost want the talking points to create themselves. So Jao Pedro's just got benched. I'll talk about that in team selection. Pedro Neto's got injured. And you don't wish injuries on anyone, but they do happen in football. So I'm sure we'll talk about best replacements for him in the game week preview but when those talking points don't happen my opinion doesn't really change week to week and I don't like to have a different opinion the next game week based on what points they got the previous one and that is the case with Trippier I've said the same thing pretty much the whole way through pre-season avoid him the price is too high for the fixtures they've got before Newcastle even had a clean sheet I said think about him for game weeks five or six because the fixtures are about to get much better and then game week 10 onwards I said he's still a good option, but he's not as good as he has been because the fixtures are about to get tougher. And that's exactly the same opinion this week. If you look at it from game week 11 onwards, they got Arsenal at home, Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Man United at home, Everton away, and Spurs away. Now, if I'm looking at those fixtures, which ones are they going to concede in? I think Arsenal will score this week. I think Man United have got a good chance of scoring. I know they're not playing well right now, and they've obviously just um, blanked against Man City. But in most games, Man United find a way to score, even if they end up losing the match. Spurs away, really difficult. So then you've got Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, Everton away. I think Chelsea can score. And then the other two games, the easiest ones on paper, are both away from home. So Trippier is still good because the Newcastle defence is like top three. He's super creative as well, one of the most creative defenders in the league. But he's not as good as he has been. And the price is a lot different compared to last year. He's at 7 million now, not 5 million like he was last season. And so some sacrifice has to be made somewhere. I've said that countless times over the last couple of game weeks. And for me, it was to sacrifice Trippier so that I can have Watkins, Haaland, Son, Saka and Salah. But other people, they dropped one of those attackers uh, and went with Trippier instead. Either way is fine. But I would just ask yourself what has changed. Like the narrative now is... The Newcastle look really tired. I think people are looking for a reason to why they conceded two goals and are now looking at these fixtures and maybe panicking a little bit. Whereas actually, I think if you've got Trippier, I certainly wouldn't be taking him out for a hit. That just seems like absolute madness. If you've got a free transfer, fair enough. But where are you going with him? Like, Who is definitely a better option this week? Like Arsenal at home is a really tough fixture. But if you look at the other games that other teams have, like, I don't know, Simicast is really popular. And Luton away is probably not that bad, but he's not as creative as Trippier. So there's every chance that Trippier could, uh, sorry, could come out on top if I get my words out properly. Like an Arsenal defender like Saliba, great. But I wouldn't say Saliba is better than Trippier this week. Away to Newcastle is harder than home to Arsenal. Like Man City defender, fine. But the fixtures for them get trickier out of Bournemouth, after Bournemouth. Like, I just don't know who you'd even be buying anyway. So I think you kind of just stick to the plan are were they tired against walls because of champions league maybe are the injuries starting to creep up on them possibly but is all that massively changed in the space of a week because last week trippier was almost essential and now it's like well we can get rid of him he's too much money and newcastle are tired and i just think it's creating a narrative to fit what you want to do if you want to sell him obviously it's your team right you should go and do that and i don't have him in my team for all those reasons i've spoken about before but i just think the next two fixtures is probably okay after that you could maybe look to move him on but who knows you reassess in game week 13 and go from there like if you're doing trippier to simicas and that's going to fund you getting harlan then fair enough right obviously i prefer that because that's what i've got in my actual team but i think for a lot of people it's just a panic because he's blanked and he's not going to get zero points 
um, that often. And interestingly, right, just one last thing before I leave the trivia conversation is he put up 0.57 expected goal involvement, right? So plenty of chances created. That is his second highest all season. The only game where he got more than that was Burnley. Uh, sorry, was Sheffield United. Sorry, Burnley and Sheffield United. So it's his third highest uh, of the season. My apologies. Um, yeah, Sheffield United and Burnley, where he put up 0.68 and 0.66. So he's still being incredibly creative in all of those games. But this is football. This is FPL. And sometimes the games where you put up good numbers, you don't get returns. And then other games which look a bit harder, you do. So I think he's perfectly viable to keep. If it's enabling you an attacker you really want, fair enough. But I wouldn't start taking like minus fours, minus eights to get rid of him necessarily. So I can't believe how often we've talked about Joachim Anderson this season. I certainly wasn't expecting that back in August, but he has had another 123,000 transfers in this week. Now, I know some of that is going to be people that need a new defender. They're looking at who scored the most points. They can't afford Trippier or they already have him. And so they're going for the second highest point scorer, which is Anderson. But also Palace do just have some good fixtures. So they might just be bringing him in because of that. So I think it's worth talking about Crystal Palace in general. So their fixtures are Burnley away this week. Then it's Everton at home, Luton away, West Ham away, and Bournemouth at home. So the next five game weeks look pretty good. Because Anderson and the likes of Gay are kind of 5 million or below, you could also bench them in some of the games if you've got better options as well. But if you needed to play a defender over the next five game weeks, I think Crystal Palace are worth looking at. I do have some slight concerns about how good they might be overall because Mitchell picked up an issue last weekend. We don't know if he's going to be out yet or how long that might be for. Um, and obviously we'll find that in the press conference, hopefully, from Roy Hodgson on Friday. But him being out wouldn't be great because he has been a mainstay in that team at left back. And they still don't have Eze and Elise. And I appreciate they're not defenders, but they just being out just makes Crystal Palace worse overall. So there are some minor concerns. But last season, the defense was good. This season, it's looked pretty good as well. And those fixtures coming up are decent. So I think it's worth looking at a defender. The other thing to consider is how well they rotate with certain players. So Cole Palmer, for example, look, if he's going to keep getting minutes and keep penalties, even with the bad fixtures they got, you could just play him. But if you wanted to rotate him for these bad fixtures and then bring him back in from game week 14 onwards when the fixtures get a bit better, straight away you could play a Palace defender instead. I appreciate playing defenders over attackers is not that exciting. But even for some of the popular players at the moment, like Gabriel this week, Newcastle away, where you could play crystal palace defender against burnley away instead simicast has got um man city away in game week 13 almost no chance of a clean sheet in that game and then crystal palace have got loot and away so they rotate in with a lot of players that are popular right now would i buy anderson well i guess a bit like trippier my opinion hasn't changed i just think for five million he doesn't offer enough over someone like gay at 4.5 million now <laughs> i appreciate i'm saying this after another week where he's got an attack and return and assist and he has got two goals one assist all season i think gay is on zero attack and returns yeah but i still don't think like i talked about cash versus pal torres and conza was he worth the extra kind of 0.5 if you were buying cash later on obviously if you got him at 4.5 4.6 different conversation but i think the difference between pal torres and cash is like the gap is wider in terms of expected points because of potential attack and returns than it is with Gay or Anderson. So I just wouldn't spend that extra 0.5. If you've already got Anderson, fair enough. If you picked him up earlier, you're not going to sell him. But if you're buying new, I just don't see why you would go there. And the other thing I like about someone like Gay is when the fixtures do get worse. So after Bournemouth at home in 15, they got Liverpool at home, Man City away, Brighton at home, Chelsea away. It's not a great fixture run. 
But at 4.5, you just feel more comfortable benching him through those games, knowing that you've got that extra 0.5 to kind of spend elsewhere. So I do like Crystal Palace defense. That's why I put one in my wildcard team. I think they've got great fixtures. You could play them through. They rotate nicely with a bunch of popular players. But I wouldn't spend that extra money on Anderson personally. All right, let's talk about Huang He Chan at Wolves. Very popular this week, over 100,000 transfers in already. I suspect some of that is people moving off of Pedro Neto. But either way, he looks like quite a good option, especially when he's got Sheffield United away in game week 11. And he only costs 5.5 million. So if you're looking for that cheaper neighbor in midfield, he's definitely someone to consider. Wolves fixtures in general are pretty good over the next six game weeks, although two of their hardest fixtures are in the next four. So they got Sheffield United away this week, and it Spurs at home in game week 12, Fulham away in 13, Arsenal away in 14, which is the hardest fixture of the next six. Then it's back-to-back home games, Burnley at home, Forest at home in 15 and 16. So I quite like the look of him from that perspective. I think he is overperforming on his goals so far. He's scoring 0.91 goals per 90 minutes, compared to 0.33 expected goals. But those expected goals and expected assist numbers combined are pretty decent for a player that's 5.5. So individually, there's not too much to dislike. I think his minutes are still going to be pretty good um, going forward. He's had seven starts so far, six goals, one assist. The only thing with Wolves in general is how are they going to be without Pedro Neto, who's probably their best attacker. Will that weaken them in terms of their overall ability to score goals. And what will that mean for where Huang plays? Because he has been playing through the middle. Will that continue? Will he now move wide to kind of deputise for for Neto? We don't know. We also don't know at this point, it's worth saying, how long Neto might be out for. But overall, yeah, for 5.5 million or less, he's probably one of the best options. If we look at the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub for midfielders from game weeks 11, let's just go up to 15, right? And I'll put the price down to 6 million. We'll see how high up Huang is. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven midfielders ahead of him. Now, with anything like this, you don't have to agree, but you can think about why that might be. So Adingra, for example, for Brighton's got really good fixtures. So he's ahead. I'm not sure how much I agree with that because I think Huang's goal threat is probably better. Palmer is ahead. Even though the fixtures are worse, he's got penalties, but also he's 0.5 million less. Now, if it was just a straight-up competition between Palmer and Huang, and I was picking again this week, and I didn't have to worry about that extra money, I probably would go for the Wolves man, but that 0.5 might come in handy later on. Even in a tough fixture, he might get you a penalty, and then later on, the fixtures are much better for Chelsea anyway, and if he keeps his place, even if he loses penalties to Nkunku when he's back, I still think he's a good option. You've got Gordon at 5.7. So you've got a little bit more to spend. I also really like him. I'm not sure I'd be going for DeCorey, even though his numbers and minutes have been pretty good. I can't see me going there or for Rodrigo. William may be an option. I don't particularly like Gibbs White, although he's pretty nailed. He's probably their penalty taker too. So there are other players to consider. But I think outside of probably Gordon and Palmer, and maybe Adingra is a... Do you know what? Adingra is probably not even a short-term punt. I think with March out, he's going to get a lot of minutes. So I think those three are definitely worth considering, but so is Huang as well. So I don't think it's a case that at his price point, he's absolutely the best option. But if you want to target the fixtures they've got coming up and you're happy to keep him for the next six game weeks, I really like him. I don't have any plans to get him in my team, but that's just personal uh, preferences. And it's also just the way my midfield is set up. The only spot he could take is Palmer. There's just no point in removing him right now. 
All right, let's talk about Destiny Udogi, who wasn't in the squad for Spurs against Crystal Palace on Friday. We knew he'd be a bit of a doubt for that game because he'd come off against Fulham the previous Monday. Uh, and at the time of recording, we still don't have an update about his injury. But Ange Postacoglu, after the Fulham game, said that it was just tightness. Before Crystal Palace, he never ruled him out. He just said he'd have to be assessed. So obviously, it's unfortunate he didn't make that game. But it doesn't seem like it's a major injury. And between that Crystal Palace game and now Chelsea in game week 11, Spurs have got nine days off. So I'm pretty hopeful that he's going to be back. And if he is fit and available, Foster Coglu is going to put him straight back into that team. So obviously, wait for an update before you sell him. If he is out, we'll talk about replacements in a minute. Let's assume that he's fit for Chelsea and answer the question, should you keep hold of him anyway? Now, I'm looking at the next six game weeks, so from game weeks 11 to 16, and if we think about which fixtures they're probably not going to get a clean sheet in, I think Chelsea at home's not that easy. I don't think Chelsea are a team that are ever going to score three or four goals against you, but they could get one. Man City away in game week 14, very tough. And even Newcastle at home in 60, and I don't really see a clean sheet there. So in game week 12, you've got Wolves away. A team that do find a way to score goals, although obviously they've not got Neto potentially for that game. Uh, Villa at home in 13. Difficult enough to get a clean sheet, I would say. And then West Ham at home in 15 is probably their best fixture. So the next six game weeks, their best game, I would say, is in game week 15, which isn't ideal. So I think Spurs defence generally is sellable. And Udogi is not as attacking as someone like Poro anyway. So, so far, his expected goals per 90 are 0.03. Expected assists, 0.1. Now, he does get forward at times, but he's not creating a huge amount of chances. Doesn't have massive goal threat. So, I think generally, Udogi is not a rush to sell or anything like that. Because at his price point, you can bench him, play other defenders. Maybe playing him against Wolves, Villa, West Ham, whatever it is. Right, is. You'll have to look at your, your own team individually. But as a, as a defender that you want to play most weeks, I don't think... He's necessarily the one right now. If you've got Poro, maybe it's a little bit different because he does provide that attacking threat as well. But I don't see a huge amount of clean sheets for Spurs. Their defensive numbers so far this season have been very good. Their top five for expected goals conceded. But is that partly because of the fixtures they've had, which have been pretty decent overall? They've had some tough games. They've already played Arsenal away and Liverpool at home, Man United at home. But they've also played Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton, Fulham, and Palace. So it's not that I think the Spurs defense is bad because the numbers are telling me it's pretty good, but I'm just a little bit unsure how much of that is because of the fixtures. So yeah, I think in general, Udogi can be sold whether he is fit or not. But obviously, if you don't need him this week, you can just keep him on your bench and reassess in game week 12. So we spoke about Gabriel in yesterday's video, missing the game for Arsenal against Sheffield United. And it was basically the same situation for Martin Odegaard. He was on the bench. He didn't come on as a substitute at all. So played no part in that game. And he is quite highly owned. 20.7% overall ownership. He's had 133,000 chances out this week. Obviously, some of that is probably frustration that he's missed such a good game. And I completely understand that. I guess the question is, what do you do with him moving forward? Now, I've said plenty of the times in the past, especially around injuries with Arteta. I don't always trust what he says in press conferences. But in terms of talking about players needing the rest, I think there maybe is something in that, right? And it wasn't just the amount of minutes they played for Arsenal. It's also international um, games as well. And I just think even if Odegaard hasn't been at his best recently, he's not a player that you suddenly start taking out of the team a lot. You almost want to play him in for, into form, right? You don't want to have to bench him for four or five games and then suddenly bring him back in. He's the captain as well. It would just look a little bit weird given how integral he's been to that Arsenal team 
you know, generally over the last season or so. I know before the Sheffield United game, there were some Arsenal fans, not all of them, but some of them were calling for him to be dropped because he hadn't played that well. Maybe just take him out of the team for a little bit, give him a break. And perhaps that's just what Arteta did, right? It was an easy game on paper, Sheffield United at home perfect game to rest him in they won 5-0 right and then maybe you bring him back into the team for Newcastle away I just think like Gabriel and to be honest even more so of Odegaard I just do not see him missing that game and I don't think it's now going to be a case where he misses every other game you know because of rotation and stuff like that so if you've got him look there's lots of good midfielders you can pick from right now so I'm not begrudging anyone selling him like if you can go from Odegaard to Son perfect right if you can go from Odegaard to Madison, it might be an okay move this week. But he's got Burnley at home in 12, and I think he'll play in that game. So I wouldn't be too worried about him in terms of starts and minutes. The thing I'd be concerned about are his underlying numbers, right? He chipped in very well last year. We know he's going to take some penalties as well when Saka gives them to him. But underlying numbers, 0.12 non-penalty expected goals per 90, 0.13 expected assists. That is really bad. For someone that costs 8.5 million in FPL, given what we saw him do last year. Now, the usual caveat supply, it's a short, it's a small sample, right? It's only 10 games, but you'd still expect him to be do, doing better than that. So I'm not concerned about him from a minutes perspective, really. I mean, Arteta has shown that he can take him out of the team. I don't think it's going to happen that often, right? And they have Burnley at home in 12, Luton away in 15. But those numbers would worry me a little bit. And I think if you look at Arsenal's fixtures so far... Right, okay, they've had some tough ones, right? They've already played Man United at home, and for a lot of that game, it was quite cagey. They've played Spurs at home, Man City at home, Chelsea away, but they've also played, I guess he's missed the Sheffield United game, to be fair, but they've also played Burnley away, uh, sorry, Bournemouth away, Everton away, Fulham at home, Forest at home, Palace away. There's plenty of games in there where you would probably expect better from Odegaard. Now, to be fair, in terms of his actual points... He's not done bad, right? 48 so far. He's on three goals, two assists. But he has taken a couple of penalties. So you remove them. Bearing in mind he's not their first choice penalty taker. It really is a lack of returns for that price. So I think because of the Burnley at home fixture in 12, you can probably keep hold of him. But as things stand right now, I haven't been that impressed. And I just don't think I'd want him as part of a midfield five. I think there's definitely five better midfielders out there. So I just think at some point Odegaard might have to go. I wouldn't panic on it just yet. Maybe reassess after a few games, after Burnley, after Brentford, after Wolves, whatever it is. I think so far it's just not been great. And in general for Arsenal, right? They're doing really well. They're one of the top teams in the league, as we know. But in terms of their expected goals as a team overall per 90 this season, they're below Everton, right? They just haven't done that well. Even though they're still getting the results and stuff like that, they've just scored five goals. The numbers aren't that great. So I just don't know if something's just not clicking. Is it trying to incorporate players like Havertz, etc.? I don't know what it is, right? I've said this a lot of times. I'm not a master tactician. Maybe it's just a bit of variance. Maybe it's just a bit unlucky. I don't know. This the Arsenal defence just hasn't uh, sorry, the Arsenal attack just hasn't necessarily clicked completely. I don't know. Odegaard just doesn't look that great. But let me know. Am I wrong? Leave a comment below. If you've enjoyed that video, give it a like, hit that subscribe button, make sure to rate five stars if you're on podcast. If you want to check out Fantasy Football Hub, the points projections and all the other tools they've got, links in the description below. I'll catch you again tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.